Welcome to Decapod, where every few weeks we look at pop culture and we are currently trailblazing through the 1990s. As always, you'll be glad to know it is not just me. I am joined by the wonderful, the uh, the immortal, the mighty Emma Morgan. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm really happy to hear I'm immortal. That's that's good news. I'll make good use of the time I've got on my hands. <laughs> well, I, I want someone to continue the Decapod legacy when I'm gone. That's what All it right. is. So if I can start saying you're immortal every episode, it might come true. Yeah. Uh, and today we are talking all things girl power and possibly even a hint of feminism in the 1990s. So I'm going to give a quick dedication to this show before we start. This show is dedicated to our special friend, BJ, who still hasn't made his point. Who? Oh, for fuck's sake. Remember the guy that doesn't like feminism or walk films? Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> so I got too distracted by you having a hissy fit. When was I having a hissy fit? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. See, now I've forgotten, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's such an in-joke. Yeah, if you want to get that in-joke, then go check out Culture for Geeks. <laughs> It's an amazing group. And scroll down. Yeah. <laughs> With largely amazing people and the occasional misogynist. <laughs> he just slipped in. <laughs> but we oh. spotted him straight away. We're like, right, we're going to have some fun now. This is going to be good. <laughs> and actually, yeah. like, we did discuss this afterwards about it, it's such a stereotypical troll. Just go in, make a sweeping statement that don't back anything up. It was... A, that was a fun night, or a fun twenty minutes. It was a fun night, even considering my hissy fit. And and <laughs> I think can I, I just do it together? It's still, I still find it hilarious that you were accused of having a hissy fit because because that means to him, anytime someone just makes a point, <laughs> they're having a hissy fit. Either way, um, there'll be plenty of points made tonight, I'm sure. But uh, obviously, I said we're talking about girl power. We're going to kind of, I suppose, kick off around the Spice Girls and then we'll branch out from there. But I kind of said about touching on feminism and touching on that side of it. And the reason I phrase it like that is because I'm not sure if you were, but I am a male and I don't always feel qualified to talk about this stuff. Uh, As you saw, I'm always reluctant to give an opinion. I'm reluctant to say anything that might be perceived as controversial. Very much keep myself to myself. But I I do, with a lot of this stuff, I'm reluctant to go over the top because I tend to just let people educate me. So feel free to educate me at any point when I say anything that's, that's sexist, misogynistic, or at any point mansplaining. I'll try. Do you want me to tell you what mansplaining is? No. Okay. Do you want me to explain what misogynism is? <laughs> <laughs> I apologise in advance for my conduct during this episode. Trigger so, warning. So, if I was to say the phrase girl power to you, what would your immediate thought be? Well, before we were doing this episode, it would be what everybody else's was, which was Spice Girls. But what I did as the first part of my research for this episode was a popped it into Google to get where it actually came from because I thought it came all part and parcel with the Spice Girls. But um, it's actually a credit to a punk band called Bikini Kill. And it's it's in their lyrics and that's where it came. And it was actually quite a few years, I think, 
well, not quite a few years, but before the Spice Girls were on the scene and things like that. So, so now I think of that. Um, I did write down what the phrase girl power means. Shall I read it out? Go for it. Okay, so a slogan that encourages and celebrates women's empowerment, independence, confidence, and strength. Which is nice. Sounds good to me. Um, I want to make jokes about equality, but I'm not going to. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's similar, I, but I still go to the the Spice Girls. I did know that. I watched a, a documentary on on the Spice Girls once, and it it, it touched on that. So I'd forgotten the, the band's name, but it touched on that. But what was interesting for me when I was doing the research was I initially typed in women in the nineties. And every fucking list said the most beautiful women of the 90s, the top 100 sexiest women. For fuck's sake. This is why I can't get all done because it's all just like women. They're not just women. They're not like, oh, well, here's women that made a change. It's all the top 10 sexiest women from the 90s. Then I thought, I'm just going to check. I'm just going to check. So I typed in men from the 90s. And to be fair... Most of that was also the top 10 hunks of the 90s, which surprised me. But when I broke it down and I looked at like the first two or three Google search pages, all of the women things were, you know, that word beautiful or sexy or whatever, whereas it's probably about half of the men ones. So they were still talking about men being hunks and still, you know, making them into sexual objects. But it wasn't just that. It was also the top 10 male actors. Who was top? Was it Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt? Well, I didn't click on any of it. No. Oh. <laughs> it annoyed me too. I don't, I don't want to look at them. I'm not you. I'm not just looking <laughs> at stuff because they're sexy. I'm not actually trying to find stuff out. And I kept getting annoyed. And every time I sat down to do it, I kept getting the same results. I'm throwing a little strop and walking off. Throwing a hissy fit, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah. You're a noun. You're a noun for your hissy fits. But I think from, from my perspective and, and looking at the 90s to now, women and men aren't treated equally they're still not treated fairly have things progressed from the 90s probably have things progressed from the 70s to the 90s very probably are they progressing fast enough very probably not but i'm not gonna get sort of too political into it i don't think that's necessarily we need to go today but it is interesting looking back at the way that women are portrayed in film and on tv and in music and as much, whether you love or like the Spice Girls or not, they did make a real positive impact in a lot of ways. And I look at it and I think, like, let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. There's no Spice Girls song where you go, that's amazing. That's easily my top 10 songs of all time ever. There isn't. But I look at that first song. I look at Wannabe. I don't think you could necessarily get a better debut song than that. In, in a lot of ways, for what they stood for and what they were doing. It's just like, bang, here's a load of noise. You'll probably wind up singing to it. And then you look at the video for it, it's just them causing havoc and, mm. and posh spice pottering about a bit, but, <laughs> you know, not doing a lot. And I think that that was almost the, the, the best way for them to come in. So maybe not the best debut of all time, but the best debut they could have possibly had. I guess so. I remember um, I've had to sort of evolve a little bit with this, but I hated them when they when they came out in the 90s. And I think for me, the reason being 
I didn't want them to represent a new wave of feminism and, and and girl power. To me, they were still just kind of really sexualized. They were all a different, almost like kind of fetish. Well, there's baby spice because, you know, for the boys that like the cute one and that kind of, you know, and sporty spice. Uh, the fact that they all kind of had these different personalities that were either like fetishes for men or instantly you could make them into a doll and so you could have like a little Barbie doll spice I don't know it didn't I wasn't their target audience they didn't land with me however I agree they did actually have like a massive massively positive impact and it'd be interesting I wonder if you were maybe 10 years or so or about eight years younger than we were when they came out and you were like four or five particularly if you're four or five young girl that's quite strong role models and quite a nice range of personalities that they've got in that band to kind of look up to. Cause the one thing that they were really good for was being outspoken. Like no one, no one really shut them up. And I was, um, there's have been quite a few interviews have come up of where they were on. And actually it's quite interesting because Posh, very quiet on the vocals front, but she's sassy as hell. Did not realize how sassy she actually is in interview. And there's a brilliant clip where Jerry is she's talking, 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 and uh, Victoria just cuts in and goes, "Take a breath, Jerry." And it's like, and I was like, "She's sass queen." And um, yeah, so that's a bit waffly, rambly. So yeah, didn't like them initially, but it you look back on them and actually probably being a bit loud and that's but and there might have been a bit of envy. Oh God, they're like speaking out. That's the thing that I don't feel I can do, but I'd like to. See, I've got a few different takes on this, a few different views on this. And and before, again, I'm probably going to say this a lot during the episode because I appreciate I've got that male gaze and I'm not trying to speak for women at all during this episode. I'm trying to give my opinion and, and, you know, whatever. But the... I've got the view of me when I was a teenager. So I was, what, 96 I released it. So I would have been, what would I have been then? Uh, 14, around that age, 13, 14. Um, hormonal 13, 14-year-old teenager. Uh, it was a lot of noise. It was a lot of fuss. And, and yeah, the wash your skirts. I'm looking at the legs. That, that's And that's kind of what was intended to do in some, place, in some ways. But I think looking back now, I say I watched a, a documentary on it, and, and there was a, a, a clip where they were dressed up as schoolgirls. So they were advertising, they were doing their Pepsi contract to smoke. They're dressed up as schoolgirls. So they've clearly got short skirts on, they've got a look at top. And one of the, the the blokes that were, the, I don't know whether he's filming or where he's just like director or something like that, he said, We need to see more cleavage. And they just kicked off at him. And at first I did that male thing, like, well, how come you're allowed to show breasts, but we're not allowed to say, ask to see more? And I'm like, I think that's what they were good at. They were like, yeah, we want to be women. We want to be sexual. We want to display whatever we want to display, but that's still our choice. Just because we want to show a bit of fi doesn't mean you can demand we show a bit of fi. And I didn't realise that at the time. And obviously I only saw this documentary quite recently, but I didn't realise that at the time. And it's from a, a perspective of below looking at that, it's like I'm looking, like I say, I've got the male gaze. I don't see it from that view. I, I For years I would have seen it like, well, 
how come they're allowed to wear short skirts, but we're not allowed to ask them to wear short skirts? And I think that they were good at that. And the other things, like you said, you maybe felt a bit of envy almost because they were speaking out when you wanted to. But I think they they almost laid a platform for people to speak out. And that's not belittling anything that was done before that. But sometimes it just takes a kickstart for stuff. You know, you've got the, the women that burnt their brass back in uh, whatever decade that was. And then, you you know, there's all the stuff that's happened in between. Then you, we're speaking about the 90s now, obviously. Then it, it was this it was this that kind of kicked off and you look at the some of the stuff that came after it, and not just in terms of pop culture, but in terms of, I, I do think that phrase girl power was significant because it, it did empower a lot of girls. I can remember people saying it on the playground. I can remember teenagers talking about it. And I think that if you're a marginalised or, or discriminated against and all of a sudden you've got this feeling like, actually, I can do this, I think that must be must be really empowering yeah I think as well it probably really encouraged the idea for girls that you're in it together rather than against each other because it can be extremely competitive that kind of thing and I do think it was the beginnings of really kind of going it's the sisterhood you know sisters before misters and all that kind of things whereas previously probably a little bit like you, you know cat fights over boys and things like that and and I do think it kind of nurtured this idea of the sisterhood again. And I, I quite quite like that. Yeah. And and we are covering obviously pop culture across the night. So we'll we'll dive into the um some of the the, the the music and stuff in a minute. But I don't know. I think looking back, I think they they played a lot bigger part than than people thought they did. And I think that I forget his name. I want to say Simon Wright. That's probably wrong. There was a Sun journalist, even I can remember at the time, just being ridiculously critical of him. And I think it's still bad like that now. You, you All these blokes, I'm going to use Pierce Morgan as an example, just see someone that he doesn't like, so automatically assumes it's wrong and dives onto that and, and you know, anything to get yourself publicity. But shall we... Um, Shall we uh, take a little look at some of the, the Spice Girls music and, and, and what they left us with? Yeah, so, I'll, yeah. you you name some stuff and I'll give an opinion. Is that because you I've written them down and you haven't? Yeah, I've just put, yeah. I just wrote Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, let's have a look at Wannabe first. What did you think to Wannabe sort of when it first came out and now looking back at it? Yeah, again, I would have rolled my eyes at it. Um, I just didn't, and I think it was that. Like, I think we ridiculed it a little bit in my group of friends because it was like, what the what the fuck does it even mean? Zigga zigga, like what? <laughs> but then I'm, you know, I'm happily listening to the nonsense lyrics of um, Noel and Liam Gallagher. I'm going, yeah, yes, that completely makes sense to me. But like zigga zigga, oh, um, so yeah, and again, but I, I. I do think it was jealousy. And I do think underneath this kind of like, oh, God, you listen to that. There was a little bit of me. It's like, <laughs> you know, that kind of like, oh, I didn't quite like it because I knew all the words to it. <laughs> yeah. I um, I mean, at the time I was listening to Scatman John, so Ziggy Ziggy <laughs> didn't bother me. <laughs> well, like, well, that makes sense. That makes more sense than Scatman John. Um, but I, I quite liked Wannabe at the time because I think it was different 
I think it was different to the other stuff that was out there, especially uh, the stuff from girl bands, which I think at the time was was very much, let's get this pretty girl to sing, and then she can stand there and sing, and then it was like, it always felt to me, even at, even at that young age I was, it always felt like it was just the Spice Girls. It never felt like, and they would, how can I put it, they were doing what they wanted to do. It never kind of get the impression that they were being managed. And obviously they were, but, you know, when you look back at the old footage and stuff, uh, you know, they dumped all their managers eventually. They, they split up from everyone. They're just taking more and more control of themselves. They didn't, they didn't take any shit. But it, it always come across that way. And I think that Wannabe almost betrayed that. Looking back now, reflecting on it, if, if that song came on, on like a playlist, I wouldn't skip it. I wouldn't skip it. And I don't think I'd be like bopping along to it, but I think it's almost nostalgia purposes. And it's just, it's it's quite a fun song as well. There's the um, new TikTok remix for it. Have you heard it yet? Yeah, I've seen a few and it's crazy good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> um, But one of it, uh, I made a couple of notes on this because it was uh, number one in 37 countries and it was the biggest selling debut album by a female group and then the biggest selling, uh, not album, sorry, biggest selling single from a female group and then the the biggest selling single ever from a female group. Mm. So I think it kind of shows the impact they they did have. Yeah, thing that's just jumped in my head as well, think about some of the female bands just before them. So I always think about Eternal think about that i'm just thinking about like the passive voice within the lyrics so eternal is still very much about does he like me what a rate is if you want to get with me better impress them lot because if they don't like you i don't like it. that's really that's quite empowering um just in itself it's it's not about like what do i have to do to oh like you've you make the cause <laughs> What do I need to do to make it love me? What's that one? I'm, um, I'm just going to go down to my groups a little bit further now and cross out the cars. won't mention them further. <laughs> do da, do da. <laughs> no, you are right. It's like this, it was It was probably the the voice that, that, again, I'm male, but probably the voice that most women had in their head that wasn't yeah. reflected. Um Anyway, from uh, Wannabe, they went on to Say You'll Be There. Any thoughts on Say You'll Be There? Can't remember it. Neither can I particularly. Uh, So it's not one I'd um, believe on. I'd probably skip past it. I can remember they wore shorter skirts in that video and they were in a desert, (laughs) which shows you what I was thinking of at the time. Um, Then there was Two Become One. Yeah. Which was a bit shit. Well, a bit sexy. No, didn't in, <laughs> didn't enjoy that one, um, and didn't like the song, didn't like the video. Uh, who do you think you are? The song, yeah. not like throwing it at you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, we definitely covered this because in the episode where I did a lot of singing, um, there's definitely a clip out there. Um, it's quite aggressive uh, because that's what I remember my previous comment being. Um, it's just kind of almost coming full circle, really. You know, it's just them as an ensemble. I think that's when they're starting to go, hey, guys, we can harmonise. We can do little things like that. And I think it's when Sporty really started pushing herself to kind of go, 
I want to be like, I want to be like in the vocals. I don't just want to do backflips. Okay, right, okay. Oh dear. Uh, okay, then we move on. Uh, on the on the, oh, I need a moment. On the B side to who do you think you are? Was Mama? We're recording uh, this on Mother's Day, uh, and it is my tidbit. I, I and I'm still not great at this now, uh, I, but particularly when I was younger, I wasn't great at um, expressing how I felt. So I can remember on one Mother's Day, I didn't know how to be nice to my mum particularly. So I, I went out and bought the single, uh, of recorded it off the top forty or something, <laughs> and and just played it really oh. loud in my bedroom over and over, hoping that my mum would come up and go, "Oh, thank you," and give me a hug. But she didn't twig. So there you, you go. Turn that down. Very probably. Why are you always making so much noise? That's what I would probably say. Um, so it was. So I spoke about my son a couple of times. He's in reception year at school and they did their first, they did a Mother's Day assembly on Friday and it was it was absolutely lovely. Uh, and everyone was like, so me and the mums, like, we were in tears just when they led them out. But being quite stoic for them when they come on. But I'll tell you something, if you want an entire hall of mothers to be absolutely boiling their eyes out i tell you what you do when you need to rearrange children play mama by the spice girls because we all they <laughs> to like move them about they needed like a musical interlude they stuck that on and the whole hall we were like passing tissue <laughs> we were like oh god it's just too much they're so little look at them they're so little oh. there you go <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of stuff tonight that I don't know how to respond to, <laughs> even before we hit record. So, moving on. Uh, spice up your life. Yes. Well, <laughs> is that the one with that? It went somewhat like that. I mean, what's interesting for me is as you're working through these, um, obviously, we spoke a little bit about one a bit because that was like a crash bang wallop. Here we are. Then you went on to say you'll be there, two become one. Who do you think you are? Mama, spice up your life. The next one was too much. Mm. In my book, all them weren't actually very good. Um, they didn't, like, one of them may not have been the best song ever, but it, like I said, it was Crash Bang Wallop, Here We Are. That's how you make an impact. But those others were just like, ah, it's a generic pop song. It just felt a bit like that. I think it was also probably a similar thing with Take That. We don't know how long this has got. We don't know how long it's got in it. It's going to have an expiry date. So we'll churn out as much as possible while people are buying it. That's that's, And I think that's what the attitude I kind of had at the time as well. I was like, oh, God, it's another bloody Spice Girl song because they just churned a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Um, but then we come on to a song that I did really like, which was Stop. Uh-huh. I quite like that. That just felt like a cheerful song. Again, still quite generic, not like a mind-blowing, amazing song, but quite generic. But I did like that one. And then um, I think the last song in the night it did was Viva Forever. Uh, um, uh, is that where they're all fairies? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Um, because the one before, what was it called? Stop. Yeah. I think they got I think they um they got um old Vicky. She she has a little sing on that, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. 
I realised I was nodding then before I said yeah, which <laughs> isn't always great on a podcast. Um, you think I'd have got learned that, you know. Um, so as a kind of whole, then for that was the last sorry, Viva Forever. I think was the last one they did as the fivesome, and then um, obviously Jerry left, and then they carried on after with all the shoes after that. But as that collection there, what are your thoughts looking back on that? To me, they're just the female take that. I'd, I'd still stand by that commentary that we made that I do think they would have been inspiring and things like that. But essentially, they're female take that. that it, it's just literally we've got five people. And even to the point where Sporty's the Jason, but she just t- pushed herself forward a little bit more, but she wanted to sing. But essentially, she does what Jason does at the start. Take that She does a lot of backflips. That, that that's what she's there for um yeah and I still I still remain a little bit skeptical about it I just think female take that so who do you think you are no um had the best solo career now I know this is coming out when that is but just purely through curiosity who do you think who, who solo career did you like the most um Thought it was all pretty vile. Um, <laughs> Did you say vile? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that might be a touch extreme. It was vile. The thing that I always think about is Jerry's fucking horrible look at me, um, which I, I would imagine if I was going to take a punt, I would say Jerry probably had the most successful career after leaving Spice Girls. Um and I, I appreciate Vicky Beckham's little attempt with Dane. <laughs> you're out of your mind. Um, but then you got like Sporty, she landed old Brian Adams, didn't she? And I mean, Emma, she did something, I can't remember what, but then um, Scary got shacked up with Eddie Murphy. So they all did their own thing. Yeah, um, I think you've summed it up quite nicely there. <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, uh, sporty for me, uh, it's very weird in the when I, I don't know if this just is a reflection of what teenage boys like, but when uh, I kind of think I mentioned this before when we covered this episode, which would have been 95, 96, um, I did not, I was not drawn to sporty spice at all as a, as a youngster. Now, when I, I look at them, it's, it's all sporty. It's none of the others appeal to me at all. Even I sound slightly wrong because looking back to when they were 20 and I'm 40 now, but even looking back then, it's like I'm not drawn towards any of them other than Sporty Spice. And not just in terms of finding them attractive, but in terms of personality, I think she just seems like a really nice person. And um, as well with her solo career, it's like don't ask me to name any of her songs other than the Brian Adams one, but it, it were like, um. I talk to you. There you go. Um, she was my favourite of all the solo stuff. Although I can remember being annoyed at that Brad Adams song because they literally have the same lyrics all the way through. Yeah, it's not a duet. No, but it, it's called, uh, it's, it's named as Brad Adams featuring Mel C. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not featuring her. She literally has as much as you. She should get equal billing on that. And I remember mm-hmm. even, because that would have been 98, wouldn't it, that around then? Um, I can remember probably later than that. But I can remember even again as a, a teenage boy being like, "That's wrong. 
that she should get equal billing, not degraded to featuring. It's not featuring. Yeah, so I would have begrudged her even that. I'd have been like, Pff, shouldn't even be mentioned. Any other thoughts on the Spice Girls? Um, one thing's just jumped back in my head, which is a positive thing, and it was another interview that came up, and it was when a real, like a proper, it was a dickish question that um, a reporter sort of said to them, and I guess this one sort of hit hit home with me a little bit. The reporter said, "If you look at you." Between you all, you've all got kids. There's not a ring on any finger. You're not a very good example to to young girls. And they take her down. In fact, that can't be true, can it? Because Victoria would have been married to David Beckham. So I don't even know where that's going. Um, And they like proper take her down and go, hang on a minute. So that's all our ambitions, is it? To just get a ring on our finger and get married. And it was just another thing of good for them. Where they did speak... I would like, if I would sort of, we always sort of recommend stuff. I would recommend people, forget the music. Just forget the music. Look them up in interview because they're really, really good in interview. Uh, and they and they don't, they don't just take any nonsense and they don't take, they don't take criticism, but they, they do it in a really good way. It, it's not just them being, it's not just them having a hissy fit. It's um, it's them actually articulating why somebody might be wrong to put forward some of the stuff that gets thrown at them. I'd I'd agree with that, and I think that that I think that generally they're honest as well. Uh, you know, I think there's interviews where they've been asked a question, they've said I don't want to answer that, but they haven't like made mm-hmm. up something. They've just been honest. I'm not answering it. You know, the, uh, you mentioned about um, Mel B shacking up with uh, Eddie Murphy. Well, they had the, the kids together, and Eddie Murphy were coming out saying, it's not mine, nothing to do yeah. with me. And she's going, it was planned, and they had, they had to get, um, is it called a paternity test? Uh, and they took him to court and all sorts. And I know, I think he settled out of court, but event, it was proved that it's, it's his kid. Yeah. And he's like, no, not mine, not mine. And it's like, well, I've never understood that from a bloke's perspective, because how can you be sure? Mm. You know, you might turn around and say, well, I don't know if it's mine. I want to get it. I want to find out, but how could you go? Definitely not mine, because he must have slept with her, because <laughs> it was his. So he must have remembered sleeping with her, but either way. So, but yeah, I think they were all sort of pretty hard done to by press and, and by other people. So obviously, you mentioned um, uh, Mel B there and, and uh, Emma Bunton. There was, um, that she went, oh, what's the guy's name? Is it Howard Stern or someone like that? She went on, when the Spice Girls split up, he went on Howard Stern. And she went on Howard Stern, sorry, and he straight away started talking quite explicitly about having sex with her. And she wasn't able to to handle it because in the group, that would have been where what, Jerry mm. or Mel B or someone just kicked off and like, don't speak to her like that or don't ask her those questions. But because she was by herself, she wasn't able to handle it. So, of course, Howard Stern is taking advantage. I don't think he'd have said the, the things said to Mel B. Mm. Jerry got an absolute kicking impress. You know, this was someone that, you know, was was quite, I think, and I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong with this, was quite open about having eating disorders. And she was always picked on for her weight, underage, mm. apparently. You know, I can remember some friends at school talking about how old she was. I'm like, I don't give a crap how old she was. Look at her boobs. You know, <laughs> it, it were like, 
but I can remember that being a discussion and people saying she were fat and then she'd lose weight and oh, she's too skinny. And I can remember that and not comprehending it at the time, but she was ridiculed. Uh, Sporty Spice was, was ridiculed for, you know, she was labelled as the unattractive one. Mm-hmm. I can clearly remember a Frank Skinner sketch where he's saying, you know, you know, the four of the Spice Girls are attractive. The Frank Skinner show it was. And he's talking about four of the Spice Girls are attractive. One of them isn't sporty. And then he's making jokes about her being flat-chested and stuff. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with jokes, but I think to single people out like that isn't always great. And, and, and then you've got Victoria, who, to be fair, I think she was kind of a bit of a, almost like the nation's sweetheart for a little while, but partly because she got with the, the other nation's sweetheart and David Beckham. Mm. And then she was the one that was happy. But even then, I said she was the one that has done by, because obviously David Beckham had that affair that obviously we're going right, right full circle. Oh, now we're not to, going back to that pig. Yeah, going back to the woman that wound off a pig, Rebecca Luce. Um, she wound off the pig after David Beckham. Well, I'm not referring to David Beckham as a pig. But, and... But Victoria, um, then she was even hounded in the press a little bit. Then, I mean, I've seen uh, the, the documentary I watched were talking about how they were saying at the time she can't keep a man happy. Mm. She can't keep David happy. I'm like, that's, that's not a job. It's not her job to keep David, but it's his job to not fuck other people. It's like that's kind of the rule. And, you know, if you, oh, so yeah, I think they were massively hounded. Now, again, you could say that they brought a little bit on themselves because they were caught in the press and this, that, they were. But that goes back to that thing that, you know, you, as a woman, you can wear as short a skirt, skirt as you want, but that doesn't give a man the entitlement to have sex with you. Yeah. It's the same thing with press. You can flirt with the press as much as you like, but that doesn't give them the right to come and actually abuse you or insult you. And it, but it does. Or it seems to, and it seemed to, and I actually think that they handled it really well. Mm-hmm. I think when they came out the other side of it, I I actually think that's when respect for her actually sort of did increase. Maybe not with the press, but I think with the general public, like she handled that really well. Can't sing though, can she? No, but she she puts she admits that, and I'm a, I'm a big. Big fan of anybody that kind of goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she did, but then she, but she forged a career in fashion design. Yeah. She had a passion for fashion, uh, but but she made something out of that. And I think she's really nurtured like her children. She's really sort of helped them as well, sort of sort of carve out their interests and things like that. So. Yeah, she made the most of like what the Spice Girls gave, and I think that's what they all did. It wasn't all necessarily about having like this amazing singing career after it, but they all did something really well with the platform that being in that band gave them. Like respect to them all for that. Exactly. You know, someone comes along and just says, "Hey, you can be in this band, go traveling the world for four or five years, and you'll make tens of millions of pounds." Like, yeah, all right. Yep. Going to turn that down. Yeah. They're all they're all young girls as well. They're all like twenties, aren't they? They're in their twenties when they're in. The, I think maybe Emma was Emma was maybe a teenager still, but they're all, you know, late teenagers, really early twenties. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a bit of that. Thanks. Go to yeah. uni later. Anything else on the Spice Girls? 
Um, there is so annoyingly because I know you keep asking, <laughs> still keeps jumping in, but this is I'll tell you when they probably caught my attention. I thought, oh, oh, okay, I quite like them. Was when they did the comic relief song, and because there's that amazing thing where then you've got Jennifer Saunders as Jerry and you've got Dawn French as posh and I think Kathy Burke was potentially sporty and then I was excited because I was like oh they're kind of in with Jennifer Saunders so they can't be that bad because Jennifer Saunders seems to like them yeah what was the comic relief song I I can't remember Um, I should have looked it up Um, I genuinely can't remember because I think it was probably a Spice Girls song Either way, um, yeah, I can get that because, but again, I think that as much as, you know, like I say, Jennifer Saunders and, and, and I think you're right when you say Kathy Burke, as much as they probably gave some credit to the Spice Girls, doing that with the Spice Girls would have brought a slightly newer audience to, to them as well. Mm. And and that's that that female empowerment. You know, yeah. you look at... You look at men and you look at men clubs, you look at the blokes stick together and it's a boys club and if you can, you know, and mates rates and all this kind of stuff, it's all all tied up, it's all linked. But, you know, our job as men over the past, you know, over many centuries has been to keep your women separate so that you can't form up and build up an equal alliance Yeah, because that would just be massively wrong. Yes. We do it anyway. Yeah. Behind your backs. Any, anything else on the Spice Girls? No. <laughs> While we're discussing music, then is there any other any other bands you want to mention? Any other songwriters? Any other singers you want to mention from the nineties? No, I just wrote Spice Girls. Cool. I obviously <laughs> wrote the cars down, which I then crossed out. I'm going to give a, a little shout out just to bewitched again. <laughs> For no other reason that I love Bewitched. They were just really cheerful and really friendly. Well, in fairness to that, one of them, she fights like a da. So she's she's handy. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing, sort of not necessarily with the Spice Girls, but they they came in and they, I, I always want to say they paved their way, but it doesn't kind of feel like it did because who followed them? Um, we got All Saints around the same time. Got Girls Aloud. Yeah, I mean, actually, I would probably say Girls Aloud would be the next in that list because, yes, people followed them, but there was nothing similar to it. Mm-hmm. I think the next group, I, I haven't thought of Girls Aloud, but the next group that came along that was similar to Spice Girls probably would have been Girls Aloud and they were manufactured on TV. Yeah. And I think that that was, it's interesting for me that, yes, you did have like All Saints and Bewitched and, um, Lena Marlin and or whatever, but there wasn't anything similar. I don't think up until like you said, Girls Loud came along. I know it's not the same music, but it's a similar sort of vibe. Yeah, I tell you who else, um, Destiny's Child. Yeah, although I'm not. I don't know how much of a comparison you can make with Destiny's Child and the Spice Girls. Why? I don't know. They are, they seem very different. Yeah, Destiny's Child, good. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Okay. Park that. All right. Cool. So what else are you looking to talk about when we're talking about girl power in the 90s? So I wanted to talk about, and I apologize because I didn't check what year this actually happened, but I, I thought it's 
it is a good point. <laughs> it just might not have happened in the 90s. Okay. So I wanted to talk about when, because when did FHM start? I don't know, but it would have been in the 90s, um, I'm sure. Oh, the first issue was 1985. Bloody hell, really? As early as that? Yep. Okay, so I, I might be in safe, I might be in safe territory with this. So can you remember when they put they had Gail Porter on the front cover of FHM completely naked and they put the image onto the Houses of Parliament? Yep. Can you remember that? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I remember that vividly. <laughs> I don't know if you would remember that. <laughs> it's all of it would be in your memory banks. Um, I can I can still vivid, vividly see that in my head. I don't need to look <laughs> I don't need to look. I can I can remember she's kind of looking over her shoulder and it's basically her bum that's that's like the main image isn't it anyway interestingly so as people know massive fan of Ian Lee he was he did used to do a talk show Gail Porter has been on his show quite a few times and they talked about this moment um what's maybe interesting for people to know FHM did not tell her that's what they were going to do with her photograph they did not tell her that they were going to put that on the Houses of Parliament. They just did it and they completely screwed her over on that. And it was just this idea. The reason why I thought it was interesting to talk about for this was I knew we were going to talk about like it's about empowerment. And so, but you've still got a, like the antithesis of you've got all this like, yes, female empowerment, girl power. But then you've got lads mags who go, fuck this. We're going to stick her on the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> And it's that kind of, that's how I kind of remember things is it's still lad culture still winning a little bit over that kind of girl power trying to push through. I completely agree. And um, I bought a lot of FHM uh, back in the 90s and and early 2000s. And this is kind of this is me holding my hands up a little bit. This is is back when I didn't have the same fair mind as I did now. Uh, it's I wouldn't necessarily say that I treated women badly because I don't think I did treat women badly. I think in the the women that I knew, I've always been equal to and, and fair to. I, I really do believe that. But I think that you, the, the, the lads mads thing and the, the culture and and you know I come from a, a family that was very much my dad goes to work, my mom cooks a tea. You know, again, this isn't making excuses. It just takes time, I think, sometimes with people to see the difference. And I bought FHM because the the women that I didn't know were there to be looked at, that, that male gaze that I mentioned earlier. And, yeah, and I think, weirdly, and I probably get some, um, a lot of people disagree with this, but I think that FHM and those lad mags, are, I don't think there's any place for them. Whereas something like um, a Playboy, for example, or those sorts, I think there is. Because a, a, a Playboy, or I suppose you now obviously got the opposite, you've got uh, male porn and stuff as well, but it's it's like that. There's, to me, never, and I'm, I know it is, I know there's stuff going on behind the scenes stuff, but it's not necessarily always portrayed as exploitation of women. It's, here's pretty women without their top on, you know, and it's consensual. Mm-hmm. There's no discussion 
there's no writing about that. There's no women are less than us. It's just, look, these women who want to take their clothes off for you, look at them. Whereas a lads max was all about women are less than us. Here are the 10 ways you can convince any woman to sleep with you. You know, there, there was one issue once I think they had to, to take down. All right, this isn't a female thing, but it was the, the top 10 ways to kill yourself or something like that. They did an issue like that and they made them take it back because you've got someone that, you know, you look who it's aimed at, it's that late teens, early 20s, you know, what age are men most likely to kill themselves? And, you know, so they're going to then read that. And I just felt looking back now, that stuff was damaging. Like you said, the stuff with Gail Potter, you go and do a photo shoot where you think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an attractive woman. I can get my ass out in FHM. I'll make some money. Excellent. And the next thing you know, it's plastered on Houses of Parliament. And I, I didn't know what, what you said then. but And so it's just the entire way it was portrayed. I mean, I can remember, and maybe this isn't quite the best example, but again, I can remember a woman uh, writing into the magazine saying, I need to raise some money. Uh, if I get the two grand I need, I'll take my kit off in your magazine. And it's like, I just think that's not the best way to go. And that's not criticizing the woman. It's like, to me, that's the, up to the magazine to say, no, well, it's not. I'll tell you what, come do a photo shoot for us. We'll pay you. You don't have to take your kit off. You can still have them or whatever. I mean, she might have wanted to, I don't know. But I think there's better ways to handle stuff. And it shaped a lot of my views on life and women and it was only you know coming into my early 20s and probably later that that started to change so yeah i I, i'm really pleased you mentioned fhm there because i think it had a big impact it's not something i'd have considered mentoring but while you mentioned it i did bring it up because in the uh 1990s so 1995 was when they did the top 100 sexiest women Uh so let's play a quick game 1995, who was voted the sexiest woman in the world according to FHM? Kylie Minogue. Nope. It was uh, Claudia Schiffer. Oh, okay. Oh, Kylie must have been top 10. Um, In 1995, no. In fact, I don't know half of these women. (laughs) Elizabeth Hurley were in there. Who's Sherilyn Fenn? (laughs) I'm going to have to look at this. We've got live research going on now, folks. Oh, I have no idea who she is. Of Mice and Men. Boxing Helena. I don't know. No idea. Anyway. So who was the sexiest woman in the world, according to FHM, in 1996? Kylie. Nope. Gillian Anderson. Oh, so that must make you happy. It does indeed. I'm trying to look. I don't think Kylie's in any of the top tens in any of these. That shows how ridiculous the magazines were. Let's just quickly run through these for the night, just see if you can guess any, because we've started now. So 97, who would 97 have been? Um, Jerry. Nope, Terry Hatcher. Oh. <laughs> so you got a Terry was the sexiest woman <laughs> in the world. 98 would have been... Uh... Halle Berry. Nope. Jenny McCarthy. We've just spent all this time slagging off FHM, right? <laughs> but yeah, we're now having fun with it. This is a new game we're going to play, right? Uh, we've got one more. Well, in fact, yeah, we'll do one more year because we've just done 98. So the last year of the 90s, 1999. We can do this for every year we do now. Uh, last uh, year of the 90s, 1999. Who was the sexiest woman in the world? Katie Price. 
Nope. Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's an interesting one for you. One last tidbit before we move away from FHM and the sexiest women in the world. In 1996, the second sexiest woman in the world was Louise Nerding. Oh, bless. In 1997, the fourth sexiest woman in the world was Louise Nerding. In 1998, the third sexiest woman in the world was Louise Nerding. In 1999, the second sexiest woman in the world was Louise Redknapp. Oh. Um, so it just amuses me that, well, maybe not amuses, but she's always in the top ten. Yeah, never got never got first. Oh. Um, can I quickly talk about the women's magazine that teenage girls were reading at the in the 90s. Uh, you can in one second, because I'm just going to tell you one quick, one final FHM story. Then uh-huh. when you're talking about the women's magazine, I will continue looking at these pictures of the top 100 sexiest women. Um, my, um, I found in my garage a few years ago all my old copies of FHM. You lose and a weekend. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but I was clearing the garage out, and I thought, just screw it, I'm going to burn them. Um, and I was just clear, clearing the garage, and then my stepson came out, and he would have been about I don't know, maybe ten at the time, and he picks one up, and he goes, he didn't even ask, he just said, <laughs> "Will you stop burning these so I can have them when I'm older?" And I'm like, "No, no, I'm not." So I burnt them all, and then recently I saw that on eBay they're being sold for quite a lot of money. Um, you're no, fucking, like under a quid an issue or something like that. No, you've done you've done good for the world. You've done I've not done for good for my bank account. Nah, it's could have fine. done with that. I remember there was one, and I think it might have been loaded instead of FHM. And actually, do you know what? I'm going to put my hands up and go. There was a feature in Loaded that I genuinely used to read. I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been something like Out of the Mouth of Babes or something like that. But. My brother used to get loaded, and I—I I, I swear I used to read it. Um, but I remember, like the the front cover that always really stuck in my head. It was Abby Titmus, but they her front cover picture. If you want to talk about what their where their attitude was toward women, she was sat on the toilet with her knickers around her ankle. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. It's like always like in my head that was Abby Titmus's kind of thing was she sat on the toilet probably appropriate somehow <laughs> oh. um, I can remember reading some at the time of why everyone made such a big fuss about Abby Titmus when you've got people like Beyonce yeah, and they seem to oh, a lot of the people in the UK would make a bigger fuss about Abby Titmus and, and someone said because blokes have got, got a chance for Abby Titmus. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. I, I would I would take a shot at Abby Titmus. I would just gracefully continue past Beyonce and let her sneer at me. <laughs> I wonder if Abby Titmus has gone back to being a nurse now. I don't know. I'm not doing live research on that. Nah. I don't care enough. No. Um, all right, I want to talk a little bit about TV. Well, you uh, can't because I haven't spoke about the women's magazine that oh, I asked to talk I thought, about. No, I thought that was it. <laughs> no, sorry. Right, so okay. while um, this this really amuses me now because um, 
so that you had like FHM and Loaded, but girls were reading more magazine. And the reason we were reading more magazine at the age of 14 was because it had position of the fortnight. <laughs> 14, 15 year old girls reading a magazine to look at what sexual position they can imagine that they'll do. Because obviously I didn't lose my virginity before 16. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, so just all that kind of bravado around like, oh, yeah, reverse cowgirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be trying that one out. I I don't know what this says about me, but when you first said that, my first thought was, hold on, Fortnite didn't come out until a couple of years ago. Thinking <laughs> of the game Fortnite. And I'm, <laughs> oh, no, you mean, all right, I see what you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't read more magazine. What was the, um, I think, my mum used to get Hello. <laughs> I used to read <laughs> Hello magazine. But anyway, uh, yes, um, okay, position of the, what was what was your favourite position of the fortnight? I think everybody loved the name Reverse Cowgirl. Um, and I can't remember, and there was like, there was definitely one where it was almost like sliding like that. <laughs> Like what? Like what for our listeners? <laughs> we'll put a clip out. Right. Um, the it's interesting actually because again this is just the difference in 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 culture. In the you were reading that magazine and obviously it's got names like uh, Reverse Cowgirl and Sliding. <laughs> apparently, you read FHM, you read about donkey punches. And it's just like the, the difference in, in culture and and the way things are viewed. But either way, I'm not discussing Donkey Punch on today's episode. I'll save that for the Patreon special bit at the end. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, do you want to tell people what they get if they sign up to Patreon? Apart from me talking about Donkey Punching. <laughs> Why do you say Donkey Kong then? Yeah, sign up for our Patreon where you get um, special episodes. You get an extra bit of the start of the episode and an extra bit at the end of the episode. There's stuff where we talk about that we don't talk about on the mainstream part of the show. So there's talking about friends. We talked about some other stuff that I can't remember because I haven't done this in a few weeks, but it's really good. And like, if you sign up and you're nice to <laughs> us, you can come and have an episode with us um, where Terry will be nice to you. I won't make that promise. So sign up for that. In fact, like actually sign up and I I can be really mean to you. And that could be a new thing. I tried it. I went out last night and I tried it. (laughs) Getting people to say bad things to me. It's quite nice. I get it from you for free. So (laughs) Um, I just want to touch on a couple of points. First of all, when you say talking about friends, doesn't mean discussing our friends in, in like a public platform. I mean, the, the TV show Friends from the 90s that we're currently running through. And also uh, when you say sign up because it's really good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's a brilliant reason people should sign up. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Decapod or check out the link in the show notes. You get all kinds of bonus bits over there, including some of the videos. Put some of the videos up, which is always fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right, so uh, you mentioned Friends. So let's speak a little bit about TV in the 90s uh, and how uh, women were portrayed and and so on and so forth, because 
Uh, you mentioned Friends there, and I think that Friends was quite a big influence on TV and the way women are portrayed on TV, because when you look at that TV show, I think that not necessarily quite as much in the first season, but you look at it as a whole, I think that the women are portrayed as equal as men, as the equal of their counterparts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Whereas I think most of the shows before that, it was the man's TV show with the woman with them. And I think if this show had been done in the 80s, it would have been the three lads and three women living next door or whatever it is. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it. Um, a given UK equivalent of uh, men behaving... Babe. You say babes <laughs> in the wood? Babes in the wood! Yeah. <laughs> um, Men Behaving Badly. Now, okay, that show is called Men Behaving Badly. Um, but what happened with the actors on that show was Caroline Quentin in particular started saying she wanted more funny lines. She wanted more of the punchlines to the jokes. And she had a major influence on the writers in actually making that a more equal show because the women weren't just feeder lines all the time. And that's quite interesting. It's quite interesting if you look back on it, you can see like that progression. But yeah, I'd agree. And like in Friends, the representation, the different kinds of women as well. So you've got Phoebe, who is the epitome of independence because she's been on her own since she was a teenager. So she is she's more independent than any of them, not just the other two girls, like the boys as well. Um, you've got Monica who I would say is like the middle ground of those two things. So it has to sort of like do her own thing, but given a bit of a step up because she lives in a grandma's apartment. And then you've got Rachel who comes in completely dependent on her parents and actually is the most stereotypical 80s, early 90s because her ambition was to marry Barry. And she just has like this awakening at the wedding where the where it all starts basically where it's like no that's not what I want and she has to learn independence and yeah yeah so it's it's interesting I never really thought about it before I think friends isn't problematic from the portrayal of the women but the attitude of the men is the problematic side yeah potentially but I also think they were kept in check a bit by the women and I think that that is that's quite, almost a little bit what I were like over the years. In the you know maybe in my twenties, I was very much like I say raised on that lad culture, and the, the women I was either with or friends with would keep me in check a little bit, and have to remind me, no, don't be a dick. And then kind of come into my thirties, and by that point, I'm like, no, you're right. All this stuff you've been saying to me is correct. And the way I was back in my 20 was wrong. So, you know, I think maybe there's a bit of that going on. But again, you make interesting points about me and maybe badly. It's probably a, a you know, really good sort of a microism of, of what of what you women go through in that you get handed a bone, you're allowed to be a, a sidekick in a TV show, but then to get what you deserve, you've got to fight equally for. And it's one of those things where there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a TV show about men. So there's nothing wrong with having men behaving badly. The problem is that there's that many shows that are about men 
you know, I heard a, I was listening to, uh, uh, if anyone doesn't do this, if you're a fan of film or you're a fan of Marvel in particular, uh, go and check out the Empire Podcast spoiler specials. It costs like four quid a month and it's like crazy good, the stuff they put out there. It's a four hour special on Avengers Endgame which uh, I listened to when I got to sleep on the night most nights myself sat down. But there's a brilliant bit in there where Helena Harris talking and she makes that point about the film. You know, they were talking about a certain character dying in the film and a female character dying. And it's like, who else could they have killed? Well, in that film, no one. But that's because this series of films has been about men. Why not make it about women? Then there could have been a different outcome. And I think that's it. So if you can actually make more about women which is what babes in the wood was you know there's there's men behaving badly let's do babes in the wood which effectively is the equivalent of that except it was shit Mm -hmm. then you know it's it's, it gets it more equal but you shouldn't be fed scraps and then have to fight for 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 equality said i'll try not to get too political and i did but whatever all good. Uh, other TV things I just want to mention to uh, one of the biggest, I think, feminist and female-led TV shows, not just of the 90s, but of all time, was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, I haven't watched all of Buffy. I have started it several times. I've watched season one about 17 times, and then I get halfway through season two, and then I go off and find somewhere else and forget I've watched it. Um, but So I can't comment on the, the show itself, but... The, as in having watched it, but it was a cultural phenomenon. And, you know, that's where you saw previously. Sarah Michelle Gellar was the sexiest woman in the world for whatever year it was. That's down to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Alison Hannigan, who was in that, she was in the top 10 a few times there, I noticed. And she's not that stereotypical kind of attractive woman that get in the top 10. She's in there because of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it was about a lead woman kicking the asses of, well, I suppose vampires, but men, essentially, largely. And I think what a, a, a better feminist icon could you have than that? Yeah. I can't really comment. Um, I didn't watch it. No desire to watch it. But, I'm, but I do remember it was very important and there's still a hell of a lot of people our age because it, they watched it as teenagers, still really important to them now. I um, I I will watch it all at some point because I do enjoy it. I just get distracted. But either way, there's two other shows that I want to mention, and we've spoke about these on the the pod previously. I didn't I'm going guess to mention what one again. is. Go on. One's going to be the X Files. No. No. Oh. Now it is. Because <laughs> um, there was something that came up in my notes around the X Files. Go on. What came up in your notes? The uh, what's her name in it? Scully. Scully, um, there's something called the Scully effect um, um, around women having an awakening in their in their kind of sexual preference because of her character in the X Files. I have no idea what that means. Um, I think it made people um, a lot of women realise they were lesbian. I could see why, because she's a very attractive woman. She yeah. made me realise I was straight. <laughs> So, but <laughs> like on the feds, like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you start us off with David Duchovny, and it's like, oh yeah, well, David, oh no, look at this <laughs> fiery redhead coming in. And do you know what? I, I didn't think of the X Files actually until you mentioned it, but I think that's another really good example of a show that did it well in that you, the, it, it, 
it was, I think it initially, and I could be wrong on this, but it's kind of like uh, Fox Mulder's show, David Duchovny's show, but Gillian Anderson was just that good in it. And I don't know if she badgered for it, and like you say, the way uh, Caroline Quinton did, but she was just that good in it. They couldn't not have her in it. They couldn't not have them on equal footing. And she held her own, more than held her own from day one, even though it was like she was almost a bad guy in it to begin with. In David, the, uh, the Fox Mulder was the true believer and she was the one dampening it. And of course, everyone wants the aliens to be real, so you're kind of rooting for that. But she absolutely nailed it. That show is nothing without Gillian Anderson. So it's probably a good example of maybe where the, and again, I could be wrong, but the, the woman being underestimated a little bit and actually just showing, nah, we got this sunshine. Um, but now the two shows I wanted to mention, one of which was Ali McBeal, which uh-huh. I absolutely adored that show, although I've still never seen the final season because uh, I can't find the bugger anywhere, but absolutely adored that show. And that was a proper women's show, as in not women's show, as in run by women, where from a women's perspective largely, and it was just great. It wasn't like, oh, here's a woman, she likes curling her hair and, you know, playing with dolls or whatever fucking stereotype <laughs> you want to use. It was like, here's a high-powered lawyer, and this is where she's struggling, this is where she's not, and these are these other women that are doing the same thing. And some of the stuff it tackled in there was, was amazing. I mean, this was the show that had... I forget what the term is, but the toilets where anyone can use them. Unisex. Unisex, yeah. Unisex toilets. And so much of the show went on in those unisex toilets. You know, they would go in and then the, the, all the, the blokes and the women would be in there, they'd be arguing or whatever. And you see all the people complaining about unisex toilets now and stuff like that. And it's like, I'll admit, Bill, go back and watch that. You know, it's brilliant. It shows you how they can work and, and whatnot. And I just think that that was a real... I don't even want to say empowering show because I don't know if it was, but because again, I'm looking at it from a different perspective, but it was just a show with a female star with a really strong supporting cast of, of other people that was really good. Yeah. I didn't watch it. Um, you should, you should go back and watch it yeah. and don't watch the episode where Billy's in the courtroom. No one needs to see that because that'll have you breaking down in tears, but did me probably no one else. Oh. Um, the other one I'm going to mention, and this is one that you will likely ridicule and laugh at, so whatever, but is Xena Warrior Princess. Of course. Yeah, because this was the thing. I'm pretty sure that the Hercules series came first. I should have checked this. I could be wrong. Although very similar times, at least. And they were portrayed very, very similarly. Now, yes, Xena Warrior Princess, she's clad in leather, she's got the short skirt on, whatever. But Hercules is largely the same. Yeah, he might wear trousers and a shirt, but that shirt comes off a lot. You know, he's got his rippling muscles. They're portrayed as very similar characters. And that's, I think, why I liked it, because also Hercules was shit and Xeno were really good. And I think that that was another one that was just like, no, we're just going to put this female lead in. Yes, she'll be sexy, but that's because she is sexy. Not That's not what it's about. She just happens to be sexy and go and have these awesome, really cool adventures. And it were like, yeah, that's kind of what it should be. It shouldn't be. It, we shouldn't have to think about it. That shouldn't be the outlier. That should be the norm. It shouldn't. I mean, you look at these shows I've written down. That you've got Friends, Buffy, Xena, Alan McBeal, Babes in the Wood in jest, obviously. And um, uh, uh, the X-Files, you just mentioned, that's six shows. 
six shows in a decade. There's probably a few we've missed, but that's six shows that stand out in a decade. I suppose the only other one you could throw in there might be French and Saunders. But that's more comedy than TV. Yeah, yeah but you've got you have got Abfab. Yeah. Um, and I think Abfab was really good for basically that's just pretty much all female cast. Um Aid Edmondson pops up every now and then. There's a couple of that, but it's all supporting roles. Mm. But there's basically four women at the at the front of that show. That probably did that did a lot for comedy. So you think about it, if you've got Abfab and like this is a bit of a Marmite show, but then you think about more recently, you've got Miranda. So it's almost Miranda's almost female men behaving badly, really, because it's just her kind of bumbling through life and stuff like that. So yeah, it was there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff shifting, but like I said, it's still this kind of for every good thing you've got, there is probably still that old establishment type thing happen you know for every one show that's good there's an old school type one but yeah i think it's it's the it's a decade where it's demonstrated look what you can do yeah we just need to do it more yeah and and that this is going off on a like a weird a slightly weird it's got nothing to do with tv but it's it's other stuff like i remember being part of the original ladette culture so girls with a pint and that doesn't sound, that will sound ridiculous that that was even like a big thing. But it was a thing of like people go, girls just go, yeah, I'll have a pint. I'll drink a pint of beer. That's fine. And that, and I drank pints right up until my 30s. Um, and it would have been this whole thing, no, it's not ladylike. It's not ladylike to drink things like that. And I think even that, that whole thing of like, damn it, <laughs> like being able to down a pint and stuff like that. That's that's your first year at uni, and it's not just the rugby lads that are doing that. The girls are doing it as well, and it's a nice little bit of equality, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> of all the things that we can celebrate being equal on, we can celebrate the fact that you can down a pint. I don't but, think I could. No, I certainly could. I'm going to say, back we're, in the day. we're not equal now because I've always struggled with that. Uh, so you're more lad than I am. Yeah. I'm more ladylike, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I think we knew that. I mean... <laughs> I meant that more as a dig at me <laughs> and how unladylike yeah. I am than I anything. Know. I embrace my feminine side. Good. Um, all right, anything else that you want to mention sort of TV-wise or anything else beyond that? What? Well, when you say beyond that, does that mean we are we going to talk about films? If you want to talk about films, we can talk about films. Have you got films. films to talk about? I've got films to talk about. Okay, do you want to talk about your films? I've only talk... got one. <laughs> what one? <laughs> what one? Oh. <laughs> what what? <laughs> what one film have you got? <laughs> First wife Te- club. Ten days ago, you texted me and said I'm ready to go. I was. You've got one film. One no, do you know what? When I text you, I didn't have this film written down. Oh, it's a good job we didn't go then, isn't it? Bloody hell. Basically, when I got in last night, I needed something to watch while I had my drunk food, and I popped this on, and it just so happened it fitted really well into girl power. 
right? I've never seen it. I don't think I've heard of it. Oh, it's is it, is it from the 90s? Yes. That that much is, is for definite. Um, so first wives club is Bette Midler, Goldie Horn, and Diane Keaton. And they are exactly what it sounds like. They are the first wives of three different husbands, but they were all friends in college. And they have a fourth threat friend, friend, friend. Um, and um, so so trigger warning actually, because there's a, there is a suicide theme in this. Um, they're one of their friends at the start of the film, they find out that she's committed suicide, and that kind of brings them back as a as a collective. But they've all got these these three very different situations. So, like Goldie Horn is a famous actress, and she's kind of supported her husband, and he's now like a famous director. He 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 gets rid of her for a younger actress, basically. So she's going through that. And you got Bette Midler. She's also been sort of um, um, exchanged for a younger mother who is Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, and uh, but she she represents the kind of, we were married for a really long time. And again, another theme, she's helped build him up. And once he gets to a certain point, gets rid of that wife, checks her in for a younger model. Um, and then you've got Diane Keaton, who again, husband's really successful. And then again, wants to leave her. And they basically like, they, they like come together to come up with this plan and it is all about empowerment because it starts off as though they just want revenge on their ex-husbands because they've all been wronged then it comes becomes more about getting even and getting what they deserve as as themselves rather than just kind of laying down and let these men do these things to them um they take back their power and there were some really interesting phrases that came out of it so there's like one where goldie horn goes back to get she realizes that all the stuff in her ex-husband's office, she bought it. So she goes back and she starts claiming stuff out. And she starts doing that. And he says, You can't do this. You're being hormonal. And you kind of go, Yeah, that's the kind of shit that men have thrown at us. When we take that power, we're being too emotional or we're being hormonal. Um, and there was the bit, then there was a few bits in the movie and it really made me laugh out loud and I know that I'm pleased I watched this at the age I watched it rather than when it came out because I obviously am in their group I am in there I'm not saying my situation and what's happened to me is the same but I am obviously a first wife now and I have to sort of restart things but what I loved about it was three different stories and they have kind of three different endings so one of them has a reconciliation with the ex-husband he kind of sees the error of his ways the other one they kind of go oh she started dating somebody but the <laughs> I really laughed at this one as you said my you know my my ex-husband he did he did come back to me he did kind of say he would love to come home and he'd really thought about about things and he'd seen the error of his ways and I told him to drop dead <laughs> Just, and I was like yes because if there's one thing that really irritates me now, it's when films think a happy ending is to get back together. And uh, Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, that film annoys me because they get back together at the end. And like, it didn't have to be like that. You could just become co-parents, just become friends. You don't have to be back together. That kind of idea about romantic things. And I know that I've spoken a lot. But the other thing is, is they sing the Leslie Gore song, um, You Don't Own Me. Um, and this really summed up 
how it feels to know peace after you've been for a breakup. And the line that like really like sort of pushed through to me was um, I'm free and I love to be free to live my life the way that I want. And I put, if that's not girl power, I don't know what is. Monologue over. I don't know how to respond overly. Um, it sounds interesting, but you, I haven't seen it, so I can't overly comment, obviously, because I'm not you, so I won't make strong opinions on things I haven't seen. But, uh, I don't do you, that anymore. Well, but, um, you do make a good point as well. About, you said about the um, uh, when women get assertive or, or whatever, it's, it's emotional. And when men do it, it's assertive. And and that's something I'd never really thought about. But I think it's because it's something I don't view. You know, I do view it as you're not getting emotional, you're getting whatever. The more I see it spoken about online, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, people do do that. When when the woman's acting this way, it's always because of, or, you know, it's because it's the time of the month or whatever. It's not just because you've been a dick and yeah. you deserve being shot with that or whatever. Yeah. And I think, yeah, because that raises it, because I am somebody that has often been told, you're just too much, you're too much, because you get just too... <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that one. <laughs> but the other thing I liked about this and where I thought this would be a slightly different spin on that element of sort of girl power is that perception on women... I mean, I can't think why this is resonating with me, but this this perception of women when they turn 40 <laughs> and that idea of kind of past it and also that idea about attractiveness once you passed 40. And I used to think it was really overhyped, this whole idea about you becoming visible, but fucking hell, you do. <laughs> like, now we've been allowed to go out a few times. It was only sort of like my most recent encounter. I was quite nice and met some jolly stag dudes and had some chats. But previously to that, I'd be out with my friends and it is just literally that you, you are looked past. And there is something about you get to a certain age as a woman and you know that you're you're just going to be, you're going to be too old for men your age. And that's like the, that's like the, I've always dated guys my age. And I don't think that's an option anymore because guys my age don't want a woman their age. Bizarre. So when you meet these stag dudes, <laughs> what, what sort of things do you say to them? Are you having a nice night? Oh, okay. Um, the I agree with what you're saying. However, this is the first time in this conversation that I don't wholeheartedly embrace what you're saying, I think. And I could be wrong with this, by the way. I, I am willing to be. Because I, I just think it's flipped opposite. I think with men, up until the age of about 40, they're seen as boys. And a lot of people, a lot of women, won't see them as attractive. They're still seen as immature young boys. And then you get to that 40 mark and you become this attractive silver fox, you know, the dad bod or, or whatever. So I think that's just flipped around the other way. I think that, that, that men often will want women as youthful as possible. And then it's flipped the other way around for blogs sometimes. And I think where that is a problem is that as a, a bloke, as I get older, it's not like I go, 
um, not the right phrase, but I'm not viewed. That's it. I'm not viewed as going past my sell-by date. I just haven't reached it yet. Whereas I think women are. Mm. So in that sense, I think that it's just, it's a different perspective, but it's almost, I suppose, better from my perspective because I've now got viewed a different way going forward. Whereas you're obviously viewed a different way going forward in a more negative sense, but not by everyone. That's the thing. And, and I do think those tides are turning. But anyway, let's not go down that road. We'll save that for another podcast that might do craziness. Um, I have don't have like any specific feminine or feminist or, or girl power films, but what I did was just made a note of some films where I think that women are either awesome or equal or better than or underrated in, in, in films. So the first one that immediately sprung to mind was Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Because I just think that Sarah Connors is is the, that that film. Like the first one is more Arnie. Uh, this one is it's just Sarah Connors. She's phenomenal in that film, and I think that it's seen as a Terminator. I mean, it's called Terminator, so it's seen as a Terminator film. But I think that Sarah Connors is the hero slash heroine of that film, and and I've forgotten the name of the woman that plays, which is slightly annoying. But the it's a phenomenal actor playing that. Um, uh- so to jump in there, because it is related, though, how weird is this, though, is I had the Terminator 2 game for my game gear. You play a man. That is weird. What, you mean, like, instead of playing Sarah Connor? Yeah. The protagonist in it. And it was only a little platformer, but it was a man. And actually, there's a whole, there is a whole episode. If we want to talk about misogyny, we just have to talk about video games because that there is there is a huge problem still over in that part of the world, probably not for today's discussion. But sorry, that's just like because whenever I think of Terminator 2, I can still see the cover of my of my Game Gear game. And I'm sure you played a man in that. I don't know what you're talking about. Tomb Raider is clearly a massively appropriate and definitely not in any way a sexist uh, video game. But uh, we're but not I talking about think- those today, so we'll leave it there. Yeah, but I can forgive that because it was created in Derby. It was. You can forgive. The, anyway, um, Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Anthony Hopkins. It, it's actually quite scary. <laughs> I mean, you know. I, right. Oh, anyway, Anthony Hopkins is is clearly phenomenal, but. Um, Crap, Jodie Foster is is equal. Crap, Jodie Foster. Crap, Jodie Foster <laughs> is is equal to him and and plays an amazing Clarice and wouldn't be the same film without. And again, is it a film about um, Hannibal Lecter or is it a film about Clarice? I think it's about her. He's not actually in it that much. No, that's a that's that's a weird fact about is it isn't it that it, it he. The scenes he's in are very famous, but he's not actually in that much of that film. So I think it is more about her. Um, I can't remember if you've seen this next film or not. We definitely spoke about it. Yeah, we definitely spoke about it a lot. And you definitely blagged it, possibly. Uh, Basic Instinct. (laughs) I can't remember if you've seen it or not. There was because we did do an episode where you may or may not have seen all of the films (laughs) that you recommended. Yes, but that's a twist. It's a twist. <laughs> it's a twist. Anyway, um, again, you look at that, and uh, I think I said at the time, one of the most underrated actors of all time in Sharon Stone. It's just equal or better than Michael Douglas. Phenomenal. Um, 
Titanic. Don't overly like the film, but Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet is equal or greater than Leonardo DiCaprio in that film. But they could have both, both fit on the wood. Yeah, but why risk it? <laughs> Let him float. Let him float. Oh. You'll all float, Georgie. Um, that's the wrong quote. Um, <laughs> then you go to a film that, that was very, uh, very 90s, which was Blair Witch Project. And look at the lead in that. There, there is no sex in that film in terms of there is no gender in that film. It's just three people. They're not identifying as women or men or whatever. And it's just it's just three people. The, the, the gender of the person is irrelevant. And I think that's one of the most foremost films where the actual identity or gender identity, I'm screwing my words up, you know what I mean, of the person is completely irrelevant to the film. And it's it's but it, the the actor is obviously female and played that way brilliantly. Then we come to my two of my favourite films of all time, uh, which was Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, sorry not on Elm Street, A New Nightmare, and Scream. Both very meta for oh shit, there's a moth in the room. If you see me run, <laughs> that's why, right? This is just what I'm talking about the horror as well. <sighs> there is silence in the lamps. You fuck's sake. Oh, you hear silence, I've run. Um, <laughs> a New Nightmare and Scream. Again, you look at um, A New Nightmare, it's Freddy Krueger, but it's, it's, uh, but it's Heather Langenkamp. Now, that's who's, she's just amazing in the whole series. She, to me, that's where the final girls change. I've never had a problem with final girls. I think that sometimes it's okay to have tropes in films and sometimes it's okay to have a woman played a certain way and a man played a certain way for a certain type of film. I don't have an issue with that. And I quite like this, this concept of final girls. I think it works best in a final guy or, or whatever. But Heather Langekamp in this film turns that around. She turns it from... Final girl of oh, I finally broke away to safety. To final girl, I'm going to kick your ass, and she turns it like that, and it's just and and it's her film again. It's brilliant, and and uh, then you go on to scream, which um, again, Neve Campbell does a very similar thing there. It's a very meta film, as we spoke about, like a new nightmare, but. Neve Campbell turns that final girl around. Yes, she is a final girl for the first half of the film, but then she turns it around and becomes a bit of an ass kicker. And, and I like that. And to me, that's that's where women in horror started changing. Those two films had that big impact. And then you look on going into the 2000s with things like, uh, maybe not the best example, but I've made It Follows and um, Us... And, and stuff like that, where you've just got these really strong, powerful women in horror that aren't just final girls. You know, it was a new nightmare and scream, in my opinion, and again, I'm not a film historian, but in my opinion, that shifted that away from final girls to we can do it. And there's still place for a final girl, but it's showing that women aren't just final girls in horror. Uh, so, yeah, so I think there's a lot of film there where... And again, I'm not specifically choosing films led by women, but films where women are equal to or greater than their male counterpart, which is what the film is usually based on and tend to get paid more. Yeah. I'd be interested around the pay element, but um, yeah. Well, they are, right? They're generally blokes. They're paid more. They're the recent film. Oh, yes. Yeah, I thought you meant the the women were no, being the, paid the, more. The, there's a recent film, uh, Don't Look Up, 
the Netflix one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. And Jennifer Lawrence is one of my favorite actors. She's amazing. Um, but she openly said she got paid less than Leonardo DiCaprio, but, but they were equal in the film. But she felt like that was acceptable because of his stature. She said mm. it didn't feel like it was because he was male and she was female. She felt like it was because of a stature difference there, which I suppose you can accept because Leonardo DiCaprio is a bigger film star than Jennifer Lawrence. Well, probably she has a supporting role in it, but if it had been Meryl Streep, she would have accepted it for the same reason, because Meryl Streep's got more stature. Yeah. So swap the roles around. Imagine that Meryl, they, they've got equal billing. You'd accept it from, from her as well. Yeah. I imagine. Anything else you want to add into the film section, or are you just leaving it that one that you noted down? I'll just leave it. Yeah, I'll just leave it with that. Because it was a good monologue. It was a good monologue. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Anything else you want to discuss regarding girl power during the 90s? This is a very interesting expression you've got there. Anything else you want to discuss during girl power during the 1990s? I was trying to think if I did. No, I haven't. Okay, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> I will hand over the show. That was very abrupt. No, haven't done. That's it. Cool. On that note, I'll hand the show over you. To hand you or hand the show <laughs> over to you to wrap up. Cool. Um, that was the week that was girl power. So we started where we think probably everybody does when they think of girl power with the Spice Girls with all those songs from Wannabe right through to Viva Forever. Unfortunately, not to be forever though, because obviously the band were defunct um so nice little bit of irony there so yeah so we start with the spice girls those loud mouth pop icons uh, but then we like took a little detour we started talking about things like fhm and how they screwed girls over whilst we're still sort of going for an empowerment i was reading more for my position of the fortnight with my imaginary boyfriend um i when i did forget to talk about something so we're going to stick it in at the end um that's what he said. Um, then we talked about TV and all these wonderful um, sort of female sort of lead characters. So we've got Buffy, we've got Doodle from X-Files, then we've got the three girls from Friends. <laughs> Amazing female friend casting, absolutely fabulous. And then we just sort of touched upon films with the iconic First Wives Club with the three strong female actresses, um, but then also not forgetting a nice little mention of horror with Scream and the Nightmare one turning things around there as well. That was the week that was Girl Power. 